Well, as always with the Gospel of John, we always get the we get the behind the scenes invitation, okay? Because we've read the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and there's all this details uh, that are hidden from us. Um, because you know the, these Gospels, the first three Gospels, really start Jesus's ministry um, well after it actually had begun. It start, really starts to detail his ministry when he comes up to Galilee and he's there and he's ministering um, and really John the Baptist is put in jail and that's kind of where we where we pick up the narrative but then the Gospel of John gives us all the behind the scenes uh, things so it shows us his um, the relationships with the disciples he had when he was after his baptism from John the Baptist when he was still down in uh, in the southern part of uh, the Holy Land and then it, after he, he comes up to the northern parts to Galilee He's working these miracles that are kind of uh, behind-the-scenes miracles. We don't, we never hear about them in um, in the Synoptic Gospels. So the first two miracles that he worked were to manifest his glory, and they were both in Cana. So the first one was the changing of the water into wine, and then the second one was the healing of this guy's son. And it says they were to manifest his glory. So Jesus and his glory and his person. Uh, his goodness is put front and center before us for for our attention. And uh, this is, as we spoke about last year at this time, this is a watershed moment for Lent because up until this point, we have just been hearing from the Synoptic Gospels. We've been hearing from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But now we're going to start hearing from John. So that we're switching over. Why? What's the, what's the significance of this transition? Well, as I, as I said last year, uh, with the Synoptic Gospels, what we're focusing on is more of ourselves and our deeds and our activities and sins and failures and, and that sort of a thing. Okay, Our fasting, our alms, uh, whether we're living up to our resolution or not, so forth and so on. So that those are the kind of moral and ascetic ideals that we're focusing on for the the first three weeks of Lent, and then starting the fourth week, we now turn to Jesus. Okay, so we're we're transitioning now away from ourselves. However good that attention was, it, when it was, it's important to pay attention to yourself, mostly to come to a place of humility and self knowledge and recognition that uh, you're lacking um, in the virtue that that you're being called to, and then uh, we transition now to Jesus. So our attention is off ourselves and onto Him. How important it is to really look at Jesus and to get our eyes off ourselves. Sometimes even paying attention to ourselves, uh, our faults and our failings can actually be another form of narcissism. And it's, it's actually possible. So you can be very religious and be into like all of these, okay, I gotta do this and I gotta do that and I gotta do that. But it actually can be another form of narcissism, another form of focusing on oneself. And so now what we're doing, lest that happen, we're transitioning to Jesus. And his glory, his glory. I think in our lives, uh, this whole watershed moment that we're meeting in our lectionary is presented to us on a regular basis, such that every time we are, uh, our egos are pricked, we've got a watershed that's been presented to us. We're, what direction are we going to go? Are we going to go to the left or are we going to go to the right? Are we going to focus on ourselves, our bruised egos, okay, the injustice that's been done to me, 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 or are we going to turn to Jesus? 
And uh, what what great liberty and freedom uh, do we attain to when we turn to Jesus? It's a beautiful thing. It's all about him, my brothers and sisters. It's not about me. It's about him. And uh, how much liberty and freedom do we have when we when we focus our love and our attention and our concern about him and about his reputation, not about our own, about his honor, not about our own, about his glory and not about our own. How wonderful is that? How wonderful is that where we're swept up into the glory of God and we actually then share in it ourselves. So it's not like we're, you know, God doesn't completely make us, you know, disappear or squash us like we're ants. But we get to come into the party. But, but he's the center of the party. He's the center of attention. When we keep him there, uh, all the other good things come to us. I think of our first reading here, um, a very interesting reading, right? It says, it's talking about this future Jerusalem that's going to be liberated. That's going to be kind of like in the party, okay, for I create Jerusalem, but to be a joy, all right? I will rejoice in Jerusalem and exult in my people. So God's going to be doing a little partying here with Jerusalem. Uh, and it's happy time. No weeping, no crying. Uh, no longer will there be infant mortality. Uh, and if you, um, if you live to only a hundred years old, you're going to be like a mere youth. Okay. Meaning there's going to be lots of long life. Now this is all a metaphor of the church. Okay. Believe it or not, in the Old Testament, Prophecies about the exaltation of Jerusalem are really prophecies about the establishment and the flourishing of the Christian church. Okay, So we're actually living this reality. And you got to read it symbolically and metaphorically. And I'll focus on this one. It says, They shall live in houses they build and eat the fruit of the vineyards they plant. So it's not like we're going to uh, build a house or build a vineyard. John knows all about building vineyards. It's not like we're going to plant our own vineyards. And someone else is going to come in and steal what we've done. So we're going to be able to eat the fruit of our own labors. All right? And no one else is going to take it from us. What happens when we are focused on ourselves? You know, we're talking about this watershed moment. Can we be focused on ourselves or focused on Jesus? What happens when we are focused on ourselves? We place ourselves in a place of great insecurity. Great insecurity. And we feel very, oh my gosh, someone can steal something from me. Someone's going to ruin my reputation. This person's after me. And this is going to happen. And that's going to happen. And you get really insecure. And that's a, that's a terrible place to be. But the beauty is that when we focus on Jesus, okay, what we have is the inheritance of freedom and liberty that we're, that's being spoken about in Isaiah here in our first reading, whereby we have security. And we know that no one can really hurt us. No matter what, even if they destroy our reputations, even if they burn our house down, I'm talking literally if they burn our house down, if they, uh, uh, you know, kill us, they ultimately can't hurt us and they can't take anything from us. We are going to eat the fruit of our labors. Virtue is its own reward. So if you're virtuous, you will always benefit and reap the rewards. Maybe not now, but in the future, you will. So following Jesus, focusing on him, uh, letting him sweep you into his glory, into his honor, into his purpose, into his plan, uh, puts you in a place of um, invincibility. No one can harm you. 
And that's the place where virtue can flourish in your heart, where he can be glorified. And uh, you, as a side note, you're invulnerable. No one can hurt you. Virtue is its own reward. Uh, So, my brothers and sisters, this is the choice we're presented with today uh, as we begin the fourth week of Lent.